Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. I'm your host Brian and first off I just want to thank you guys for the overwhelming response I got to last week's episode. It really blew my mind. It's definitely been the most successful episode to date, especially on Facebook. I mean it got well over a thousand likes, lots of comments, lots of shares, really kind of blew up and as you may not know Facebook is kind of near impossible for a podcast to get exposure on. So thank you very much. Now, as always, find us and follow us on social media. Just search for Concerts That Made Us Podcast. Rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps the show grow. Find us and follow us on your favourite podcast player of choice and, of course, YouTube. Don't forget to check out the website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us you know help keep the wheels turning here at concerts that made us now my guest this week is a very exciting artist his name is matt wagner but you might know him better as minerva we have a great chat all about his career and end up on the topic of mental health and music it's a great chat i know you're going to love so without further ado Let's get on with the show. Yeah. Hey. I tend to get a bit excessive Whenever I'm into someone I never seem to learn my lesson I get so excited And then I make a bad impression When I get nervous I enter a fucking panic No companion Cause I'm manic And I don't Hold nothing back But nobody That's always been the goal What you see is what you get Probably why I've always been alone So it seems that I won't find a girl I'm a dreams no Let's find a way I keep my motherfucking mouth Under control How the hell can't connect somebody If I'm not allowed to be myself Gotta use stealth Isn't thinking bad for my health I'm a wealth of knowledge And a bundle of fun But no one will I take the time to see it Cause I'm way too much Let me give you all a taste Of what I mean at 17 I read every Harry Potter In two weeks didn't sleep. Cause I had to be an expert to impress ya It was crazy, I know I can be a gesture A gestures be a lie, I ain't lazy Never time I heard those girls, never asked those reasons So I took it on myself to listen to All that happens in a day, no comma stress It's not a conversation, told her all about my I'm rankings I wasted a bunch of time, got no reply, just like a nation You can blame it on my ADD, it will nation I'm impatient when I'm dating, my heart is racing The temptation to make a statement that's outrageous It's contagious, I'm so brainless And maybe if I listen more, I get out of stasis I'm just looking for connection I wanna find someone and live up my dreams like inception I want for deception, I just want affection I'm restless cause my life's rejection That shit is depressing and I'm destined to fail Talking about not be my Achilles heel Under the veil I be pale I'm fucking scared Can I prevail? Every attempt's to avail I'm trying to stay positive But I don't think God will answer my prayers Whoa man, that was like sick Dude, I ain't done That was nothing, man You should see me talk about like anime And all of my friends and happy parents Told me that it just takes time And that I'ma find somebody Or whatever the thought from my mind No one trying to force shit It's not that important You can live a happy life without a way That's where then the future will be bright What you think I've been doing? I went years while looking for the one It was fun but I'm done with the hookups to the hunt Cause when I wasn't searching Nobody found me in the fray I should never say never but I'll never find somebody Unless I'm playing the game But whenever I do I always get hurt I'm cursed if I ever opened up to somebody I get burned I've learned nothing apparently Every time I try I reprise my mistakes If I'm making any strides I'm insane Can I break from a pattern that I attain Never after I can fucking wait till next chapter when I get to put a ring on a Saturn Doesn't matter if I can't turn the page, I'm afraid Cause this weight makes me hate fate So is this my destiny or can I change Vader? Can I be quiet and turn up my game? Faders, but how do I peel back the onion to show? Layers with my super map make them daughters go home Maya, who says there's no such thing? I know something missing Girls got me free falling Love on the weekend is not what I'm looking for No, I want clarity But when I speak, I was feel so gravity's working against me I put so much pressure on myself to find my person But forcing it isn't gonna hell I know that well, but I excel but doing my commons and bossing the girls in the same farewell I got a habit of putting all my eggs in one basket So whenever I do something stupid, it's so classic I always wonder what happened to us, it's real tragic Probably would have better luck if I was in a straight jacket The 
problem of my habit is it's a magnet for dramatics And people are the bastion What I say with a fucking hatchet They say that I'm a basket In case you crack it I ain't laughing Cause women got a talent for name trashing And being savage In fact it's impossible for me to break the cycle Cause my reputation's been stained My big mind just went viral And now every girl in the city be judging me quickly Cause men can be innocent Everyone's guilty I don't know what I'ma fucking do Should I give up and just up and move? Got red in my ledger, I want a gun My future is black, that's my widow song Yeah, I need a change of pace I'm looking for a clean slate Cause I wanna get my record erased My words are weapons and I'm a felon In essence, my bad impressions would lessen If I turned down for 11 It's time to do something and I'm ready to adjust I'ma shush my mouth and hush up for one So for this one on, let me bet my ways I'm shutting up cause the reason I'm alone Is I motherfucking talk too much Hey, Matt, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Hey, how we doing today, Brian? Not too bad, not too bad. And yourself? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, getting started with the day. Good, good. It's kind of funny. I'm, uh, I'm just winding down my day. You're just getting started. It is, it is crazy how time, time zones work. It's literally time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. can be very confusing at times, especially for stuff like this. Oh, yeah. So, uh... We opened the show with your single Talk Too Much. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yes, to Talk Too Much was, uh, uh, it's probably got one of the most experimental, strangest songs I've ever made in my life. Uh, every rapper has the flex track is how I, how I say it. And so I was like, yo, I kind of want to write one of those types of songs, like where it's just straight bars and there's no chorus. But like, I don't know, I kind of wanted to do it my own way. So I was like, I'm a, I'm a drummer. So I was like, yeah, what if I like put this in like five, four instead of four, four. And then, uh, yeah, just that opened up a crap of just new, like rhythmic, like options. And I don't know, I just found it was so freeing, like, you know, working on this beat. It's actually uh, the only song I've ever produced uh, myself. So that, oh. that track is a very, uh, very special one for me. Cause so much blood, sweat and tears went into learning how to use Ableton for it. But, uh, and then my, my main collaborator, Andrew Gomez, he took it from like 75% to hundred percent. And I, to this day, that one live is just, it's a wonderful experience. People are just like, I don't know what to do with this, but I'm just going in. Like, no. <laughs> really gets the crowd going. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah. I always, I always like, I don't start shows with that, but it's usually like in the first, like, in the first act, if you will, before like you know, we we pause the music for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's interesting you picked that one then to produce yourself. Afterwards, were you feeling like you might want to do it again, or 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 was it like, no, I'm done. That's way too much. I just I'll just stick to making the songs and get someone else to do the work. You know, I'm definitely open open to doing it again. Uh, I think it would have to be another song like Talk Too Much for like, all right, this is a really out there idea. Like, because I knew, okay, I got to get this beat started. Because like once a producer hears like what I got, it's like, okay, cool. I see what you're doing now. Let me take it to the next step. But if I just came up to a guy like, all right, man, hear me out. I got two 32 bar verses and a 16 bar verse, no chorus in 5-4. He'd be like, no, no, next. Yeah, yeah. So you might have to produce it yourself. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, if I ever wanted to do something like that in the future, I probably would start it myself again. But uh, I don't know. Like I, uh, be, being that I grew up as a drummer, like song structure and like arrangement has always been something that like I've really enjoyed doing. So like when I first moved to Nashville, I really wanted to be a music producer, and uh, then I quickly discovered I hate mixing to save my life. So there's no way. <laughs> but uh. The actual like creation of tracks and like you know arranging and stuff like I I love doing it and if it took less time I would do it more often. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I get you, I get you. I have to mention people would know you better as Minerva. Where does the name come from? It's a very interesting one. Yeah, so um, uh, actually, if you look at this little little poster in the back right here, uh, it's a Deftones poster. So um, my uh, Deftones is one of my favorite bands. Uh, when I decided I wanted to be an artist, I was working at a guitar shop and uh yeah it was just a desk job i was very much like i'm over this on my last day i was uh, just finishing finishing the day like oh my god five o'clock can't come fast enough and <laughs> i had music on shuffle and minerva by deftones came on and i was like listening to it and it just i heard it in a new way it was like wow what if someone took like these like crazy atmospheric guitars and synths and like put like trap drums over it that was like the original template for like what I wanted Minerva to sound like. And it's sense evolved from there to be a lot more rock, which I've been very here for, but yeah. yeah so like with that Sonic template, I was like, okay, 
I love the name Minerva. What does that mean? So I looked it up and it's the Roman goddess of wisdom. So I was like, all right, I want to change the conventional wisdom of like fusing rock and hip hop. Cause it's always been like this really corny thing, like in like, you know, the popular subconscious, which yeah. I hate cause I love like Lincoln Park and Papa Roach and all those bands from like back in the day. They're like some of my favorites, but I was like, cool. Well, like, how do we do this for 2021? How do we do this for like modern audiences in a way that's going to like touch people and still like make people move. And so that, the name is kind of like my guiding light, if you will, to like everything I want to achieve as an artist. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. So it's, it's definitely one that sticks in your mind. You know, you hear it and you're like, oh, what's that? I need to I need to find out more, you know? Yeah, that's definitely it's uh, what does that even mean, man? I don't know, but it's provocative in the words of Step Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um you've been performing as a solo artist for roughly around two years. What was before that? How did uh, what led to this? Oh God. So many things. Uh, well, I, uh, I think the big, one I wrote, the big one is I wrote a musical that, that happened. Uh, that was kind of how I got my career started. Actually. I was going to bring that up. Actually, you kind of went a bit viral. Uh, a little, just a little bit, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> But, but even before I did all that, um, I was a band kid. Like uh, I played drums and sang in uh, a band called Remedy for a long time. That was a, uh, a piano rock band. It was kind of like take like Coldplay and put it with like Three Days Grace. <laughs> was how I, I like, described it. But uh, yeah, that was like how I got the songwriting bug. Cause like I'd be playing drums, but I was like all my other bandmates, we bring in like songs to the table. And I'm like, oh, what if we did this? They're like, you're the drummer. You can't have an opinion. And I was like, you guys like except not i love those kids but uh the that was kind of how it all got started and then when i moved to nashville i was like i'm gonna like start this band keep it going and then everyone was kind of like i'm doing my own thing and so i was like all right well if you can't beat them join them and that was when i kind of got the idea for minerva and started out as a with the solo artist project but really it's been cool developing it over time because like I got a, like a consistent band now who like, you know, are definitely in it as well. And it's like, yeah, my name is on, on the poster, if you will. And like, that's where all the, I'm financing it, but it feels good to like have that, like that team that is consistent with you. Cause like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a very lonely job if you just do it all yourself. I could imagine. I could imagine the um, Nashville though, over here, at least when you think Nashville, you think country music. Oh, that's, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, an unusual sound to be coming from out of Nashville. Was it for music that you, mu- that you moved to Nashville or was it? Yeah, so I went for college was uh, where it started. Uh, so I, I remember visiting Nashville and being like, yes, 75, 80% of this is country, but there's like this weird 20% that like does like Nashville pop, for example, is really has grown so much in the last six years that I've been here. And like, there's also this rock scene, there's this hip hop scene. And I was like, okay, well, I want to go to Nashville to learn how to write songs. Cause like, I felt like that was the biggest thing I needed when I first went to school. And so, and what better place to go than like the country music capital of the world where like the songwriting is just so good. Yeah. And so yeah, the, uh, I've found, I've found like-minded individuals then over time that have definitely, uh, definitely helped me with creating my sound and, pushing me as a writer so i do not regret going to nashville from that perspective is it the right scene necessarily for what i make no but it's been a really good uh jumping off point i can't wait to like you know get to that next phase when i do find that scene that really like you know is more fitting yeah 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 from a, a songwriting point of view then how do you approach it you know it's uh, the whole rap with rock thing i i imagine it's kind of it could be tricky you know it's obviously harder than just setting out to write a rock song or setting out to write, write a rap song. How do you, how do you approach it? Um, so I write most of my uh, raps acapella, which is definitely a, a very uncommon thing. Like most people like have a beat and then just loop the beat and like start like flowing over that. But like, again, with the drumming background, it's like, I'll, I already know the rhythms and I can like, you know, all I need mm. to click back. And so <laughs> what I usually do for each of my sessions with my producer is uh, I'll, uh, just get a voice memo, get a click going, and then just wrap the entire song, like, you know, just front to back, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then if they're singing in it, I'll usually lay down piano with some chord structure just to get started. And then it's really fun being in session because, like, he knows 
exactly what I want because we've been working together for like over a year now. And it's like, all right, cool. Well, I'm thinking like this influence, this influence. Let's see what happens. Let's see what comes up. And it's uh, it's really fun because when you have that just an acapella with rap, you can put literally any rap over literally anything. And that's really, it's really cool then being like, all right, well, let's bring in some grandson this time around. Let's bring in some like 21 pilots this time around. Let's bring in some, uh, some NF here. And it's like, you can do that. Mm, yeah. You have chord structure. It's like, oh, okay, well, we have to stick to like, this basic structure here. I think rap rap is a really freeing art form for that reason. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's great that you're actually, there's still artists around today that are doing it. You know, like, as you said, the old days of Lincoln Park and Papa Roach, guys like that. It's like it's not at the forefront like it used to be anymore. And it's great to see people like yourself bringing it back and actually being good at it. You know, because there's yeah. so many people that try it that they're just not up to par. But then yourself, obviously, you I've been listening to your songs since I stumbled upon you. And one thing I can say really comes across in the lyrics and the songs is the passion and the feeling. You know, yeah. it just it jumps out of the speakers at you. It's um, it's definitely one of my favorite things to listen to the last few weeks anyway. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. No problem. Uh, you know, man, if I'm one thing, it's a very high energy human being. And it's very, uh, like, I, I really do love what I do. And it's like, it, it's been cool going through, like when I started Minerva, it started out as a primarily hip hop avenue. And like, I feel like with time and just the way I've developed as a human, I'm feeling, not feeling the need to like fit other people's molds as much. It's definitely been really cool to like, dive deeper into like what gets me going as a musician and then the vocal takes like i mean you, you hear it i mean like i'm i'm excited about what i'm doing because this is like all i've ever wanted and then getting also open up about my mental health stuff on top of it all has been very freeing because it's like hey i know that i'm not the only one who feels this way and having people like being able to say like, hey man like this song is really like you know spoke to me this is exactly how i'm feeling i'm like good like i'm making this so that we can like you know form community if you will yeah that must have been quite challenging at first to start opening up true music about your mental health you know i'm gonna be honest man that was free therapy like that i'm i'm definitely i mean i literally say it in my record i talk too much and like that's rap in particular has a really great thing if it has to have a lot of words so you can like really dive into topics really deeply because you have the time to do it and the space to do it and so uh yeah i know for me like writing a song like quarter life crisis i was like oh my god i've been waiting to talk about this for years this is so nice or something like uh the interview like the last song off my project uh that one on the other hand it took me five years to get that one right like i, I rewrote that one i started in march of 2016 and like now five years later it's finally out to the world which is wild and it's like yeah i know definitely with that i probably rewrote those verses at least like 15 times probably over the course of like that song just kept following me because I knew like I hope it gets better than this that's like everything I've ever wanted to say now I gotta make that's here the rest of the song's here I need to get it all up here and I really feel like it took a while but I got it yeah yeah perfect question for you so how do you know when a song is ready when you can't add any more to it I know it's probably an impossible question now to answer but Hmm. Uh, I can look at it from a mathematical perspective and I can look at it from an emotional perspective. The mathematical perspective is, uh, I, I have a very strict song formula. Like I know everyone's like formula. Ooh, no, don't do that. But, like, I, I think that like, it's a good place to start and then you can, you can always break it later. But the way I look at lyric writing is like, cool. Your first line grabs attention. Your second line, like expounds upon what you just talked about in the first line third line's free you can kind of say whatever you want there but it's usually a setup line then for your punchline that punchline better get an emotional response out of people like whether it's a big one or a small one but like by the time you get to the end of the 16 like in, in rap like that last last line you do in the verse like that really has to hit you know what i mean yeah. so i can look at a lyric and be like okay cool i'm checking all the boxes here like this does exactly it functions the way i want to but i know for me it's like do i do i perform this and either fear it like that that's a good thing actually because like oh my god i can't believe i'm saying this or i'm just like wow i feel like peace at peace whenever i yeah like a release almost yeah like once it once i get there then i'm like no this is good 
And I think that both of those, the mathematical and the more feel equation have to fit together before I'm truly happy with the lyric. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we're after just getting like a masterclass in songwriting here. If you want, I can edit that out, not to give away your secret. <laughs> no, oh man, man, please. I uh, I actually used to teach a songwriting class at Belmont. Uh, I, uh, I, long story short, I I was a songwriting major, and uh, my uh, one of my professors, he really enjoyed me, and just had me come into a class one day to like you know give advice to everybody, and then I enjoyed it so much I just came to every class after that. <laughs> I wasn't the teacher because I wasn't paid, but it was like, she was like the good cop. And I was like, yo, your song sucks. Here's why. <laughs> but no, it was really fun. I remember a lot of, a lot of the girls, I was up all female class came up to me like halfway through the year. And they're like, we'll be honest. I care so much more about what you think than the teacher thinks. And I was oh, like, man. <laughs> I, cause they knew I wouldn't bullshit them. Like if I said, I, this is good. And here's why, like that really meant something. And I was like, that's, yeah. I, I, I would teach songwriting in a heartbeat. I absolutely love the craft. I think it's so cool. Hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it must be great to feel like that, though, because I find like with bands, with musicians, songwriting can be so daunting almost, you know, it's almost or it could feel like homework. It's like, oh, I have to come up with this song. I have to sit down, get these lyrics out. I've heard people say they pick random words out of a dictionary and try to turn that into a into a full length, a full length song. But yeah. to feel like you do, it must be it's obviously a bonus when you're, you know, a musician. Yeah. It's interesting. I really don't write songs all the time. Like, uh, I mean, especially in Nashville, like it's literally the song capital of the world. Like hmm. people are writing like two, three songs a day and that's their job. <laughs> like you have a, a publishing deal. And, uh, yeah. I, I definitely don't do that. Like I, especially anymore, like, uh, I'm lucky if I write a song every, uh, for my, for Minerva, at least a song every month, probably. Hmm. But like whenever I do, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way whatsoever, but it's like, I know it's going to be at that bar that I have for myself and it's going to be something I can use because I don't just write a song for the sake of writing a song. I wait till I have something I want to say first, then I write that song. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I work on that song for weeks and do whatever I have to do to get it where it is. And I'm happy because now at 25, I write songs a lot faster than I did when I was like 19 because, oh my God, it used to be like four hours i just got like four lines and it was like please kill yeah. me like, I, don't, I don't do that anymore like I don't, <laughs> but uh i feel like i'm much more like equipped to work through the sewer pipe and get to the good ideas if that makes sense because yeah. anytime you do anything creative or anything writing wise it's like you turn on the faucet and then like a bunch of mud comes out before like you know it eventually like just has a free-flowing like oh my god i have all my ideas like mm. going back to the song talk too much I loved writing that song because since it's 32 plus 32 plus 16, I mean, it's like 80 bars or something like that. Right. And uh, with that in mind, it's, it's like, okay, well I had so much time to like, you know, work through that pipe. So like the first verse, like, yeah, it took me a little while to like get started. But like once I got going, it's like, well, okay, then I could do this. Then I could do this. Oh, then I could do this. It's like, it just kept going. And before I knew it, I'm like, this is one of the longest lyrics I've ever written in my life, but this was so much easier than writing like, a four line verse with a two line chord, like, cause I had time to explore it and like get going. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you. Um, you mentioned earlier on that you wrote a play and you went a bit viral. Would you like to <laughs> tell us, uh, tell us about that? Totally. Totally. So, um, the way I started my career, um, before I decided to do Minerva and everything, I, uh, so I have a big theater background and uh, I really try to, do what I can to show that in my Minerva stuff. Like my debut EP talk too much. It uh, starts with an overture, for example, because mm. I knew, okay, cool. Like this is a huge part of how I got to where I am today. I want to like, you know, still include that. I actually, uh, I'm almost done with my next record actually on top of it all, even oh, though I just finished the, uh, right before this interview, I actually just got the last person singing on my finale choir. So, uh, oh, cool. so yeah, that's, uh, in the works probably coming <laughs> next year, but, uh, uh, yeah, so my big theater background, and when I was 19, I first discovered 21 Pilots, and uh, I remember listening to uh, their album Blurry Face and just being in love with it. I was like, this is the coolest music I've heard in a long time. Mm. And yeah, so I remember hearing the last song on that record, Goner, and I don't know why, but I just saw a stage show. Like when I heard it, I was like, okay, I could see this exact thing clear as day. This is so cool. And yeah, from there, I was like, someone should turn this into a musical. 
I'm going to turn this into a musical. <laughs> I, I had never had any experience writing the script or doing anything. I just was like, I had an idea and I just followed it. And before I knew it, I was putting on a workshop in Nashville. I uh, moved to New York. I put it on in New York, like off, off Broadway. And then uh, uh, for a free show, so I wouldn't have gotten sued. Uh, and <laughs> we're, we're getting there. And yeah, so I recorded it at that point. I made a trailer for it. And then I released it uh, just online on Instagram. Like TikTok was still like, not the household name it is now. Uh, oh God, I wonder what it would have been like had I done it on TikTok. My God. Yeah, geez. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it ended up going very viral within the 21 Pilots fan community uh, because I was reaching out to like 21 Pilots influencers left and right to like promote mm. it. And uh, yeah, it, it went pretty crazy. Half their fans were like, oh my God, he's brilliant. I love this. This is crazy. And then half of them were like, oh my God, please kill yourself. I wish oh, I was, I got a lot of death threats for that one from like Jeez. 15 year olds. Kind of, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so ba basically long story short, after like three weeks of working on this project, nonstop and promoting it, I eventually uh, uh, hit up their manager because his emails on their Facebook page uh, for 21 pilots. And uh, yeah, unfortunately he hit me back with a season desist letter. So uh, that was uh, the end of that project, but it was really cool. Cause that's how I started Minerva. Cause I then posted that like, hey, uh, like this project's dead, but I'm also a hip hop artist myself. If you guys want to follow what I'm doing, go follow Minerva Official. And I mean, a lot of people did. I think I got like, like 700 follows like from like that blurry face situation or something like that, like overnight. And uh, a lot of them have stayed with me since then. And like, you know, that was really the base I had to like, you know, get my, mu my music started. Cause like I have so many friends who like just released music and like, trying to get that initial like 12 people into it is really yeah, trying to get the traction yeah yeah and i i definitely had that in the beginning which was super cool and a lot of them have like you know left since then but a lot of them have stayed it's been really cool and like i got a couple whenever i'm feeling down i always think about certain fans actually that i have that like have been there literally since day one it's like i'm not doing it for me i'm doing it for them yeah yeah jeez it's uh you sure now you didn't plan it all from the start and you know this was going to be the outcome because it seems like the perfect plan. <laughs> you know, if I'm being honest with you, I definitely, because uh, I was working on the musical and also Minerva at the same time. And I knew, I knew the musical was a risk. I knew, okay, look, I could get the cease and desist letter. And if I do, I should make sure I have another project ready. So I'm not just like having my entire life on hold, trying to like completely reel. So yeah. like, with that in mind, yes, I definitely did prep for some Minerva stuff just in case. And uh, it paid off. <laughs> that's that's the main thing yeah yeah so you um good good you come across as a guy that when you get an idea and you get passionate about it you go all in you know you seem to have a, a very very strong work ethic where does that come from is it something that's always been with you it has i definitely feel like i'm i'm nothing compared to how i was when i was 19 like right. oh my god that that motherfucker was self-possessed uh <laughs> and i i found a lot more balance in my life at this point which is a good thing but uh i'd say a lot of it comes from just uh i mean i was bullied a lot as a kid and so like definitely showing people they're wrong was very much a big uh big thing for me and like hey that i can do do this dream and make something of myself and like you know proving proving to other people that i'm worth something but mm -hmm. then it came into like self-worth issues like who am i without my work and without my art without my music and i i've like gone through a lot of therapy at this point in the last year which is like the best thing i could have ever done can't recommend it enough for people and a big part of that has been like hey you are enough you are not your work you are not any of this stuff like you they are extensions of you they are not your full self and so i know for me like with my work ethic at this point is very much of I do it because I want to be happy. And I know that working on music makes me happy. Hmm. So, and yeah. since I want to get the total sum of happiness, I possibly can. I know that even though music has a lot of challenges, that will be the easy, that'll be the way for me to get the most fulfillment in life. Hmm. So I'm going to keep pursuing it until I can't anymore. <laughs> good, good. There's definitely some points you mentioned there though, that's, many people myself included can relate to i know i've went through times in life where i was kind of thinking 
who am I? What defines me? Does the job I'm working at the moment define me? Is this all I am? Or is there, you know, is there any other sides to me? And I think even if it goes unspoken, everybody has a period in their life where they get hit with that sort of reality and they have to work it out. You know, what may it be going to therapy or whatever way to do. Some people turn to music, but um, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's tough. It can be tough to work through it. And it brings me on to quarter life crisis. That's actually a term the even the title, it's a term I'd never heard of, but when I read it, I was like, Oh my God. Yes. I know exactly what that is. You know, I remember my mid to late twenties. I feel like I, I was like, I'm having an early midlife crisis. I can't say midlife crisis. What do I call it? And a couple of years later, there it is quarter life crisis. You know, how did you, uh, how did that come about? Uh, so that song was very much, uh, I think I wrote it when I was like 21, if I remember correctly, like the beginnings of it, uh, I finished it much, much later, but, uh, yeah, I just remember, I feel like society has so much like expectations for like what you're supposed to be by certain ages. And it's yes, uh, yes. based on movies, based on media. And the twenties are this really weird, forgotten, glossed over period, in my opinion. Like you have a million like high school dramas and like, you know, like that phase of your life and what it's supposed to look like. And like stuff like friends, for example, or like how I met your mother, there's talk a lot about like your late twenties and like going into your thirties and like what you, what happens as you start to settle down in life. But like that, like 22 to like 26 year old period is a really weird one. Cause like mm. you're supposed to have the job according to like society, you're supposed to have like the girlfriend or boyfriend, you're supposed to like be starting to get married and like, you know, all this stuff, but like, why? exactly exactly it, like do it if you want like, i have friends who got married last week for example and like you know i couldn't support them more on that because like you know they that's what they want and that's really like mm. where they're at in life. But, like why do we have to have this one size fits all like you know situation for like every person because that's like i am so not there yet and like <laughs> you know, i'm glad that my girlfriend doesn't either my god that makes me so happy and, <laughs> and that that's necessary and it's i just feel like the quarter life crisis is trying to accept that you are not this cookie cutter person that we're fed our whole lives of who we're supposed to be. I feel mm. like, uh, I was raised by boomers. I know a lot of friends who were by Gen Xers and, uh, like my parents are incredible and I can't sing the praises more, but I know definitely with extended family and people in that generation, it was like, Oh yeah, you go to college, you then get a job, you then sell down, you then have kids. Like that's the order of operations of life. And like, that doesn't yeah. be the case. So I think quarter life crisis is just about, feeling like you want to die because you don't do that if that makes sense because i mean it's a crisis like you feel like you're a failure and that like you know you're never going to get out of this and like this is how you're going to feel for the rest of your adult life because this is your first taste of adult life mm. yeah yeah that's um it's like society almost wants to keep you down because at least over here i feel like you know you're told as you said by a certain age, you have to have gone to college, have met the girl or boy, start to get married, have kids. And it's like if you miss one of them points on the journey, you failed. And yeah. as you said, you start to feel like a, a failure. And that's I think that's a major problem and a major contributing issue to mental health, especially in the younger generation, you know, from 20 to 30. And uh, something seriously needs to be done about it and something like it needs to flip. Everybody needs to realize, you know, you're not in a race against anyone else. The only person you're in a race against is yourself, you know? And I know uh, with the way social media has like, you know, exploded in the last 10 years, it's, I mean, I can't wait. I always say this, I cannot wait till Instagram dies because the culture of Instagram is I have to come off as perfect. And I'm saying that as a total hypocrite because I mean, my Instagram is totally curated content, but that's how the platform works. Hmm. And it's like, I love stuff like TikTok where it's like, oh, yo, I'm a fucking goblet in a mess. <laughs> but like, that's what they want to see. That's like the content that does well on TikTok. Uh, and yeah, so like when it comes to comparison, like you see your friends and family getting the good jobs, like, you know, you don't see them having the mental breakdowns about feeling like they don't measure up to 
to society's expectations. You only see the smiling. And it's like, mm. I, I say like, am I the only one that feel like this? Cause I'm addicted to my phone and that scrolling shit. And I've been double tapping pics. Like there's something I missed. Everybody's smiling and I got nothing to script. So it's like, that's, it's so easy to compare yourself with that. And also like, I mean, we've literally found a way to quantify love, like through like likes. It's like, you know, if I get like 50 likes on this photo where someone else gets like 300, it's like, are they more loved than me? My logical brain says yes, but that's bullshit. And so, yeah, I think all those are contributing factors to why quarter life crises are hitting harder than they used to. Hmm. Well, I couldn't agree more with the whole Instagram dying. I think the greatest thing that could happen to the world is that all social media just switches off you know yeah. we take a step back because as you said you're just looking at the best parts of people's lives no one's going to show you when they're crying or when they're feeling down you know it's just a highlight reel of the best parts of people's lives you know maybe when i remember seeing this film years ago where this guy had died and he went to heaven and they showed him the best parts of your life or mm-hmm. the best parts of his life so maybe you know, when you're 80 years of age and you're on your deathbed, then then look at Instagram and see the best parts of your life. But yeah. Don't be comparing your Instagram to someone else's Instagram, you know, because it'll get you nowhere. I remember uh, I went to this one show once and uh, this one artist was playing and uh, they weren't very good, if I'm being honest. Uh, and I remember seeing the post about it later about like, oh, my God, it felt so good to connect with all of you and uh, see all your wonderful faces. I'm like there weren't any people there. I was at that show. You were playing to an almost empty room, but like, according to Instagram, you see like the photos and stuff like that person looked like, you know, like a superstar. And it's just really funny how that works out. And it's like, there's this inauthenticity that just drives me crazy. And again, like, I can't say I haven't done this in my life. It's just, it's, it's so easy to be like, that is reality. Or like, say you like hit someone up, and they don't respond to you. It's so easy to go inward and like, oh my God, what's, what's wrong, wrong with me? me? When in reality it's like, well, they're also a human being. They probably have shit going on too. And that's okay. Yeah. Like you did nothing wrong by hitting them up. And if they don't want to, if you extended the olive branch, they don't take it. That's on them. That's not you. Hmm. I feel like as well, when, as you said, hitting someone up, it's like, we're almost, uh, we should, we expect an instantaneous reply because everything is instantaneous. You know, and as you said, people have lives, but people seem to expect like you send someone a message and within five minutes, if they don't reply, they're not interested. Yeah. You know, but sure, nobody is sitting around on their phone waiting for messages. You know, and they are like, first off, why? Second off, like, what do you do today? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. True. True. We, um, we better move on anywhere else to, we don't want to have the listeners crying. We get a, a bit more upbeat. Your EP, you released it on the 15th of October. I did, yes. That must have been very exciting. It, it was probably one of the most validating experiences of my life, just simply because like, it really was a culmination of five years of creativity. Because as I said, like the interview, I wrote that in... March of 2016 and like songs like Picture Perfect. I mean, I started that in like January of 2017. That one also went a million rewrites. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> or like, God, what else? Like Quarter Life Crisis was like 2018. Like, like, like as I'm saying, so it was like each song represents like a different year in my life, hmm. which I'm just putting together now, actually, as I say this. Yeah, I think every <laughs> song on that project was actually written in a different year. Jeez. Wait, 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 let me actually think about this. Holy fuck, yeah, that 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 is the case. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, because the interview was 2016, Picture Perfect was 2017, Quarter Life Crisis was 2018, Talked About Just 2019, I- I'm Not You was 2020, and then Overture was 21. Wow, that's That's cool. actually amazing, especially <laughs> that it's unplanned. <laughs> yeah, no, that was totally unplanned. Wow, that is... Oh, that's crazy. Okay, cool. <laughs> My next record will all be in one year. It's fine. <laughs> I was just going to say, should we expect like a, a five or six year gap now for between the next record? <laughs> definitely not. I promise. Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's actually, it's going to mix right now, which is super crazy. So brilliant. Brilliant. But, uh, yeah, the- with, with talk too much though, it definitely was, it was really cool to have that. And also just to listen through it, like 
on Spotify front to back. Like I'm such an album guy and I always have it. I remember like going to like, do you have FYE over in Ireland? FYE. Like a um, CD store? We have CD stores, not as many as we used to, but uh, we call, they're called golden discs. Ooh, cool, cool. Yeah. So, uh, so we definitely, uh, I remember going to this one, this one store and like, I spent like all the money I had in high school on like CDs and looking back now, I'm like, oh my God, I wasted so much money. I could have <laughs> Spotify. Yeah. Like, there's something about like just going through an album and like, and not sound pretentious at all. It's just, it, it feels so much more special than singles in my opinion. Like mm. when you have that intention, like it's been really cool for me having people listen through the album and pick up on all the little Easter eggs I put in throughout the whole thing. Like in the interview, in the second verse, for example, I literally like say every song title of every song on the record. Hmm. because like i want for me like i i think music should be that kind of thing where like if you want to just consume it on a surface level it better be good and fit all that criteria if you need to dig deep in order to enjoy it in the first place it's probably not a good song but i love like having it so that like hey if you want to dive deeper there's other layers to things in case you want to see it that's why i put like an overture on the project so like you can listen through the whole project and then go back to it and be like oh that's that song oh that's that song oh crap how do you do that like stuff like that so it's uh i I think opportunities for deeper listening can only happen when you do do a cohesive project so to finally have one like i've been planning ep releases since like 2012 like with like gravity and shit so uh like my old man and to finally pull the trigger and actually do it that was incredible Oh, I could imagine. I could imagine, especially after that length of time. How has the reception been? Reception has been good. Yeah, I mean, just a lot of a. Uh, so, as far as a number, a numbers perspective go, like numbers are doing doing good. I mean, I, I'm much more curious about like who's listening to the overture. If I'm being honest, because like I'm kind of gauging how many people are listening to the whole project based on that stream count, less so on the singles stream count. Oh, right, right. That so, like right now, I can tell you, like 200 people have listened to this record front to back. And like, yeah. that's crazy. Like, yeah. that's really crazy. So, so I care a lot more about that than getting like 40,000 streams on Talk Too Much, which I'm super proud of, of course. But it's like that actual fan interaction, I think that's a lot more telling. And I know my goal for the rest of the year is really to uh, feel like I'm a part of the Nashville music scene so that I can like have this really as home base. Cause I've been in a cave for like the last two years, like with COVID and everything. So really have this place feel like home base so that I can go tour and then come back here. And like, this can be like the homecoming kind of situation. Yeah. Oh, that'd be, that'd be epic. Yeah. The, um, I get what you mean though. Cause even with me with the podcast, it's like, I don't really count how many listens or downloads I get. It's all about the fans that actually reach out and send me a message after listening to an episode, you know, exactly. or even if it's so much says, I've really enjoyed the guest you had on, or, oh, you introduced me to new music. Thank you. You know that you value that way more than, oh, 200, 300 people listened, you know? And that that's, I think that we always focus so hard on like, oh, I have to get like a million streams in the song in order for people to take me seriously. And it's like, yes, you do have a certain portion of that. Cause like, there's a psychological thing when it comes to numbers, but it's also like, yeah, cool. They listen to your song once and never did again. Great. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I much for, I, I care a lot more about when the songs get taken off the big playlist and are like, now how many people are still listening to it? Yeah, actually. Yeah. That's, like, that, that's a lot more telling. Cause like, look, no, uh, like, like I have 20,000 monthly listeners right now and that's like, I'm amazing. But like, am I going to have that in three months? No. Like that's cause mm. I'm in promotion cycle right now. And so uh, where that I, I remember what last time in between my last singles and talk too much is cycle. I was amazed. Cause I was like, wow, I still have 500 people listening to me monthly. Like that's crazy. Actually. Yeah. When you really think about it. Like when I haven't released a song in nine months. Yeah. 500 wow. people. That's a good sized gig. Like, yeah, exactly. And it's like, cool. Like, if you can get all those people to go to a show, obviously they're all across the world, but it's like, you know, if I <laughs> like, then that's like an insane set you know what i mean and i I think looking at like there are like listeners and then there are fans you want you want you really only need like a thousand fans like to really like you know like assuming every single one of them buys concert tickets merch buys and streams your music constantly and tells everyone they know about it that's all you actually like say they buy fifty dollars worth of merch well that's like what like i mean that's like fifty thousand dollars right there yeah yeah and like that that's pretty great so again so it's it's a matter of 
perspective. And yeah, obviously I can't wait to get to the point, hopefully where I have a million streams or even a hundred thousand. Like the moment I hit a hundred thousand, I'll stock. I'm so happy. I'm working so hard to try to get that. Yeah. Jeez. You'll have to celebrate in a big way. You'll have to like yeah, take yeah, some time off and really like, I don't know, just go wild altogether. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, I don't know. It's a, uh, you know, I always laugh because I always say these things. I'm like, God, this is such good perspective advice. Why don't I listen to this? <laughs> like, stop getting down on yourself that you don't have people listening to your fucking songs. You do. Yeah, yeah. That's back to society again, though. It's uh, yeah. the way it has us. But um, yeah. How do you how do you feel now? The way the music industry has kind of changed. It's shifted towards everyone is more so releasing singles. And nobody is really, well, not as many people are releasing albums. It's all about the singles. You know, I, I really understand it. And so because of that, I really don't have as much of a problem with it. I, um, I, I got this one, uh, friend of a friend, uh, his name's John Harvey. And he's like, he blew up on TikTok. He's like doing incredible. He's got signed recently. And, uh, now he's working on like a full length, like album album because he's got yeah. like a label label back in him and everything else. And I think, so I think that in this current music scene, I think you got to wait for an album for people to want an album from you, if that makes sense. I, I don't mean just like your family and friends. I mean, like people want it. Like, yeah, I think sticking to singles has to be the way to get people involved because attention spans are so bad nowadays. And like, mm. you, you got to capture people in like three minutes and it's hard to make people care about you. And so like, no, if they have to listen through a whole record to like get who you are, that's probably a problem. Yeah, yeah. The um, I was speaking to a couple of guys from England a couple of weeks ago, and they had an interesting take on it. They were actually releasing all their singles every two weeks to kind of yeah. combat the short attention span, you know. And uh, it was a very unique idea, but I don't know. It's it is good, but will it actually work? Is another thing, you know, because you can only have so many singles when they're all gone is everyone going to be like uh, what now my perspective on that is uh i think and this is one reason i love theater well i i love theater for this reason like i really feel like the audience appreciates the art like i mean don't get wrong we're pretentious as shit whenever it comes to you know like our art and analyzing things but um and it's because the time it takes to make like a musical takes so long and so much money and so much like just blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, with music, it's not really the same case. Like, I mean, you can make a song in a day if you want, and it could be like a Grammy award-winning hit, which is incredible. Like the fact that you can do that in a bedroom, you couldn't do that years ago. No. But I think that there should be a respect for the art that you've made. Like, I know for me, like, even though my next record's almost done, like, I'm not going to release that thing for months, if not like, you know, a year. You know what I mean, because I'm like, I want to give Talk Too Much all the credit it deserves and like really like try and make it pop for as many people as possible you know what i mean like because even if it's not new to you it's new to someone else yeah yeah and so when i see people getting into the single every two week model and the the single month model like again it works i respect that i, I did it for talk too much i did a single every month until like the album came out hmm. but it's also like cool then it's a song it's not like this special thing that you put your time into it's like Oh yeah, song now. Oh, and another song. Another song. It's like, oh yeah, cool. So why should I have cared about the last song you just put out when you're already doing the other one soon? And it's, I think it's a little counterintuitive sometimes. I can't lie. So I know I will probably never do that perspective, but like, I think the quickest you can do is a song a month because I, I have a feeling you should let people exhaust the last thing you did before you. Uh, oh god, oh what's the word for it? It's like what Apple does with like uh, making themselves obsolete. That's it. Hmm. Like, don't make your last song obsolete before it's run its course. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, someone could be just after finding it. And I know me personally, it takes a couple of listens to a song to actually get into it. You know, yeah. the first one's like, oh, what's this? The second one's like, ah, by the third or fourth time, you're like, I'm really liking this song now. Yeah. But, you know, someone could just come across it, listen to it once, and then it's on to the next one. I don't think you'd make any actual lasting fans that way. Yeah. It's a really good way for people just to discover you in general. And the, the actual Spotify algorithm loves it because mm. like, you know, you're pumping out content, pumping out content. And like, we live in this society, society where like, you know, you, it's all about what are you doing next? It's not what you've done. 
And I, I think that there needs to be a balance between those two schools of thought, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what can people expect when they come to one of your shows? Oh, yay. Uh, so playing live is the whole reason I'm an artist. Uh, that is, there are a lot, every job has bullshit that you don't like doing, and being a musician is no different there. <laughs> but um, playing live is my reward for it. Like um, I always say, uh, I always quote 21 Pilots, like uh, my creativity is only free when I'm playing shows. And it's like, that is really I didn't understand that lyric truly until I started playing out. And so I had like a gig every two weeks for like the last three months, like in Nashville. So great. Cause I just got to like, you know, really build this band and really build this, like, you know, get extremely comfortable on stage. Cause I already like was a pretty good performer for being honest, but like from the last three months, it's been like, okay, cool. Now, like I know how to do this. Cause like, you know, I'm doing it for, it's been part of my routine now. And uh, what you can expect from a nervous show is really high energy uh, performance, like very much. Uh, I'm going to try to make it about you as much as it is about me, if not more. Right. You shows once you release a song, it's not yours anymore. Hmm. So I really think that shows it's like if I can try and my job is to be a conduit, a conduit for connection, I'd say. So it's like, you know, like anytime I play the interview live, I mean, I always see at least like five people crying which is really cool. Cause sometimes I know them, sometimes I don't. Yeah. Like, you know, if I can give someone that catharsis and that release, that's like the best thing I can do. And so it's my job to feel something up here so I can make you guys feel something in return. Yeah. Yeah. You're giving out energy to get it back. Yeah. And vice versa. And yeah, it's, it's very much a, uh, Oh God, what was I saying? Uh, it, it's very much one of those situations where like the more you make it about them, the more they're going to want to come back. Yeah. Drives me crazy when I see artists who are very selfish with their live performances. And like, obviously it's your show. It's going to be about you in the grand scheme of things. But also it's like, if you make it about the people coming to see you, they're going to want to see you more often. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so from the more nitty gritty perspective, uh, what can expect when you see me, uh, me playing a lot of different instruments. I play drums, I play keys, I play, uh, I uh, sing and rap and scream i'm so it's me having a lot of hats it's uh just and very much like a well thought out production like i'm very big on like no time in between songs or like uh i think of live shows like an act structure if you will because theater it's like mm. cool so first act is like all the songs string strung together until i get to the first talking break talk to the audience next act okay cool and each act needs to end on like a climax it's like the exact same way i looked at like that lyric breakdown if i'm being yeah. honest yeah and it's that rise and fall of energy is how i structure live shows Ah, i was getting so worried there until i heard you say the talk break because i hate when you go to a show and there's no interaction with the audience you know i've been to shows before and it's literally they come on stage and it's one song into the next and that's it for the whole show there's no it's like it was like basically going to watch someone rehearse you know, and the audience were invisible. Uh, but I also think like, oh God, nothing dr- drives me more crazy than when you like go to a show and every show, song ends are like, woo. And then the, the guy just starts awkwardly talking about the song, the next song every mm. time. I'm like, guys. Yeah. I'm thought into this. <laughs> That's the other end of it, of course. Yeah. So I, I, I try to strike a balance of that, but definitely the, uh, anytime you can talk over music, I think is good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm just using that as a safety blanket. I probably am, but sometimes it's like <laughs> that is definitely how it's gonna work. Yeah, yeah. We'll um we'll move on to the, the last few questions. Is, yeah. If you could uh if you could see any performer from history for one night only in concert, who would it be? God, dead or alive. Either or are. all right. Right now, what I'm thinking off the top of my head, uh, I would love, I would have loved to seen Allison Chains before Lane Staley died. Really? Yeah, that'd be a big one. Like they were a very big band for me growing up. Like uh, I, I had a very good grunge voice impression when I first got started singing before I found my own voice. Uh, and yeah, no, I think that that band was just a special band. And like he had such a he could do so much with so little, if that makes sense. Like he could just be standing there just singing on a mic and you wouldn't care. 
it's like you know he didn't need to do any of the flashy like stage tricks or like you know yeah his voice just did it all and like the pain that man felt every time he sang was wonderful on that same token also uh getting to see Soundgarden live i had a chance to uh when i was probably 18 or so and i didn't do it because i was like oh, oh, next time they come around and then obviously chris cornell died but i was so yeah. lucky to see like lincoln park before chester passed away but yeah either of those two would definitely be times as far as timing when i'd see them i'd probably see soundgarden on the super unknown tour before his second vocal surgery because hmm. he he was just exceptional at that point in his life so that would have been around like 1994 i probably would have seen Allison Chains around like 93. Yeah, like right after they released. Actually, no, they didn't tour after that. So I, uh, right after they released Dirt, uh, I, I would have loved to see them when they were still playing Jar of Flies stuff, but they didn't actually tour after that record because Lane had a really bad hammer connection. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm a music encyclopedia. Ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, do you think any of your fans or people listening to your music would be surprised by those answers? I think they might. Yeah, probably. I wasn't expecting them anyway. And there are some great answers there. Two amazing bands. I'm definitely a rock guy at heart. Like I always like that's really what I grew up on. Like that's what I really mainly listen to at this point, actually. Like my music taste has just gotten heavier as I've gotten older. And it's like I'm, I'm in like such a slip my face right now. My God, I love it. <laughs> But uh, it's funny because my art of choice is more hip hop typically based, but like, I think that's what makes me a unique artist is because I am a rock guy, but my avenue for creativity has been rap in the past. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting take. It's not something you come across very often. Yeah. You know, because everyone would expect you to be a, a heavy rock guy then. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, look at me. Like, I don't have the long hair. I don't have like, you know, <laughs> the clothes from the 70s. Like, I, I I don't know. I feel like, and this is probably a hot take, but I'll I'll be the first to say it. Like, so whenever I see, like, rock bands who are still dressing like that and, like, in that, like, old school rock thing, just doing guitar-based drums, I'm like, guys, we have 50 years of this. Mm. Like, even bands like Highly Suspect or, like, bad flower like there's something about them that is moving forward and like i think yeah. progress is such an important thing and not trying to just go back like yes i'm doing music that's very like early 2000s inspired but i'm also like how can i move this forward like with electronic music production for example and like how can i or like pop structure melodies like on top of like you know this rap rock shit and it's like that's that excites me because i haven't heard that before and i feel like even though I have this such an appreciation for old music, I think that appreciating it is one thing, trying to replicate it is another. Yes, yes. And that's that's uh that's a mistake many have made. Yeah. Yeah. The um the next question, so it might be a little bit harder. If you could okay. spend if you could spend 24 hours locked in a room with any artist from history, dead or alive, who would it be? Okay. Uh, I would probably lock myself in a room with Mike Shinoda for 24 hours because I would just have a million questions, like Mike Shinoda of Lincoln Park. Hmm. I just have a million questions about like how he got to where he is now as far as like, yeah, I might have two answers to this one actually. Um, <laughs> Mike, Mike Shinoda, yeah, I would do him for sure because I'd just be like, tell me everything about how you got that band off the ground because like I know all the answers, but I need to hear them from you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know all the answers, but I they're Lincoln Park's my favorite bands. Like I definitely I know that band more than most. Like when they released that Hybrid Theory 20th anniversary box set, I knew probably 75% of the songs already, even though they were all really <laughs> demos. So I'm like, that's that's really bad. <laughs> I have a problem. But um, yeah, so I would do that and then just uh dive into like, you know, what was what was Chester like and what was uh, really more like how did you how did you write all these songs that made me want to do this with my life? Mm. Cause like that, that definitely would just be, because I, I'm sure he would answer with a lot of the things I've described to you today. Cause again, I've analyzed his music a million times. So it's yeah. like, I, I'm sure that'd be a very validating and also a very illuminating experience just to be like, wow. So this is how we do things similarly. This is how we do things differently. And this, yeah. that would be really cool that. And then I would be like, 
Okay, Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, hi, I'm your real son. Um, let's let's talk uh, for 24 hours locked in a room. Uh, that man, uh, by far one of my favorite artists that comes out of just any space in general. Like he does mainly theater stuff, obviously, like with writing Hamilton in the Heights. But I just uh, I feel like we would just be really good friends from everything I can tell. Like in interviews, like we have very similar energies and just. I mean, we look alike to begin with. I literally have like a TikTok of my face morphing into his and it's not that far off. It's really scary, actually. <laughs> and yeah, I just would love to also be like, how did you get like any of these shows to market? Like, where did you get your start? Like what inspires you? What pushes you like, you know, to keep going? Like you have never missed in your life. What is your quality control process like? Hmm. I really like your answers. I like how normally it's like, oh, I vitalized this guy since I was you know 12 years old i want to spend some time with him but i like about you yeah you they're people you've idolized but you're taking the opportunity to learn from them yeah you know it's something i i normally don't hear normally it's just like oh elton john he seems cool or you know jim morrison yeah. or someone like that and um, i'd be going in the notebook like all right guys <laughs> class session let's go we've got 24 hours let's use it wisely Right, Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull, yeah. let's go. <laughs> and the final one, if there was a song that could appear on the soundtrack to your life, what would it be? Stupid Deep by John Bellion. Jeez, that was quick. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that song saved my life. Um, no, that, that that one was a very big, It's I don't know if you know the song, it's a very simple I don't. song. Uh, it's off his record, Glory Sound Prep. Um, I mean, I can tell you the entire lyric. It's like eight lines long. But um, it, what if who I, what if who I hoped to be was always me, and the love I fought to feel was always free? What if all the things I've done were just attempts at earning love? Because the hole inside my heart is stupid deep. And like that, just is kind of like the reason I do everything is like to fill that hole. And when I heard that song for the first time, I was just like, oh my God. I, I literally was like driving home from a movie. I was like, oh, John Billion put out a new song. Let's see what it is. And then like by the end of, by, by the end of the song, I'm crying. I'm like, play it again. <laughs> play it again. I yeah. think I played, like, and then got home, like played it again in the driveway. Cause I was still like just going. And I was like, this is like, I'm, I know every word I'm screaming it by the end of it. And it's like, it, like, seriously, I can't recommend that song enough. It's a beautiful song. But, uh, yeah, I'd say it's a, a big part of the soundtrack of my life just because it's like, well, it kind of showed me that like, hey, I have, if this is the thing that I haven't been able to put my finger on that I've been struggling with my whole life, how do I fix it? Hmm. And also just, cool, this is why I do music. This is why I do art. This is why I get paranoid about people leaving me like in my relationships. This is why, like, because I feel like I have to work for everything I have when in reality, I am enough as a human being. And everyone is and that's yeah. something that is so hard to learn and discover yeah yeah i get you i get you another great answer before i let you go is there a, a message you want to leave the listeners with yeah so uh once again guys hey my name's matt uh artist name is minerva you can follow me on uh Miner at minerva official on instagram or tiktok uh instagram you find all the normal curated fun bullshit uh but mainly you'll see like where i'm playing next and everything trying to do a little east coast tour right now of the u.s so we're gonna, gonna see if that finally happens but yeah and you can find my music on all the streaming services spotify apple music t uh title not tinder title and all the other fun things uh yeah so it's gonna be minerva with no i m-n-e-r-v-a that's where you'll find me and yeah, I, on TikTok, you'll see me doing a lot of musical theater stuff as well as some mashup stuff. Uh, that's a big, big little series I'm doing right now. It's been real fun. And yeah, I'm just really excited to like, you know, keep playing shows and keep moving and try to give talk too much, like the greatest chance I can to shine. Hey, 20 something and I ain't sure how to do this. Why the hell am I trying to make it in music? Trying to predict my future is fucking useless. Hard to do a project when no one gives you a rubric. 3 a.m. over analyzing, I'm drowsy. With everybody around me sleeping soundly. I keep feeling the life be trying to drown me. Before I know it, I'ma lose my shit, Robert Downey. Junior, it's more than my career. Cause I ain't got no money and I'm trying to persevere. And I'm not sure if everyone I love now, dear, disappear in a year. I keep falling for my fears. Getting used to have anxiety, now I live in my head. Overthinking slowly becoming my best friend I'm a 25 to life, that's a hell of a sentence When you don't ever get to spoil the ending I've hit a quarter life crisis, I'm indecisive and got a clue, sun ain't rising on the horizon I'm feeling blue, I need guidance Cause I can fight this shit, I'm confused I don't know what to do, 
I've hit a quarter life crisis. Yeah. Feel like this, cause I'm addicted to my phone and that scrolling shit. And I've been double tapping pics like there's something I miss. Everybody's smiling and I got nothing to script. Am I better off dead? Am I better off a quitter? Should I consider giving up, turn into a sinner? All my life I've been a winner. So I got a lot to prove, and letting people down's the last thing that I wanna do. Cause life isn't a game, and I don't wanna fail and be defined by my mistakes. Push you once so closer, I'm about to break. The clock is passing fast, it's flashing, I'm feeling trapped. Cause nothing does enough, I'm gonna run out of time for a climb to the top of the pack. Whoa. My greatest fear is mediocrity. Don't wanna settle for conformity. I pray my life's a comedy, but it's feeling like a trap. I've hit a quarter life crisis, I'm indecisive and got a clue. Sunday rising on the horizon, I'm feeling blue. I need guidance, cause I can fight this shit, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I've hit a quarter life crisis. Yeah. I'm indecisive and got a clue Sun and rising on the horizon I'm feeling blue Need guidance cause I can fight this shit I'm confused I don't know what to do Hit a quarter life crisis I'm indecisive and got a clue Sun and rising on the horizon I'm feeling blue Need guidance cause I can fight this shit I'm confused I don't know what to Crisis. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this show. If you did, rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps the show grow. You can find us on social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast. And be sure to check out our website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us. We've got three tiers available. If that's something you're interested in, you'll get access to a private Discord, exclusive uncut video versions of the podcast, early access to ad-free versions of the episodes, and much, much more. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.